everyone, it's episode 305 of This Is Whole Life. And if you survived the weekend that was church retreat, and then some of us went camping the next weekend with a two and a half hour drive loaded with traffic on I-95. Oh, what a pleasure. And in a brand new tent that was gifted to us by Chad and Susan, we really love you, mean it, hashtag all the feels. But the t- But the tent was not water resistant. Boom. Major fail. So we will be selling that in a garage sale. Is it bearing false witness if you know it's not waterproof or water resistant and you sell it just as is? We should probably talk about that. And, another, uh, maybe I could even use that as a sermon illustration when we, <laughs> when we get to that that uh, particular commandment. Yeah, let me. Uh, I'll give you all of the uh, all the details. Right. It was pretty. It was pretty bad because it had only been raining slightly for about ten minutes before everything inside the tent was wet. So that's pretty awesome. That's anyway, right. but but it was great. It was it was in the box, brand new. But who makes a tent that doesn't? Who makes a tent? Maybe it's, that doesn't maybe re- repel rain. Who live in a place where it doesn't rain? Well, maybe California somewhere, desert. Sahara. Sahara. (laughs) There you go. Anyway. Florida during certain months of the year. Well, I heard that about, I have heard that about Florida, but it certainly hasn't been true this winter. No. Lots of rain. So anyway, it was, it's been three weeks of travel for my family, but I was still, even though we didn't make it to church this weekend, we were gone camping and we did have a good time. I don't want to make it sound like it was a, a waste, but we did miss church. And when I was when I saw the sermon title "Boxing God," I was like, "All right, I'm the greatest of all time. Are we putting on the gloves? What are we doing here?" You thought maybe we were talking about the Oscars or something. <sighs> Maybe the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to find a way to work. I know this. we were talking about the Oscars, and my favorite meme that I had to post was just simply that: if he hadn't slapped Chris Rock, Will Smith, if he hadn't slapped Chris Rock, I wouldn't have known the Oscars was on. And it's going to be a question for Trivial Pursuit in 50 years. Did Will Smith ever win an Oscar? And you're going to be able to say, yeah, he did, because didn't he slap that dude, right? Yeah, I was going to say, that probably probably will be more of the question of what what actor slapped (laughs) Slapped a famous comedian in 2022. Yeah. So before I get started, I just wanted to to give a big shout out to Church Retreat. And I know Ken started his message that way, and I felt like it was only – right of us to do it here because so many people, staff, work so hard. And Tammy is kind of the the top tier of it all yes. to make sure all the glue and the pieces stick yep. together. Tammy's the top tier. I'm yeah. the bottom tier. And you're the, and and Ken's the just bottom. on the bottom. I'm at the bottom. No, well, when I'm at the bottom, I'm just at the bottom. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, just at I'm the, the bum. I'm like the guy <laughs> that shows up with a lawn chair and gets to sit back and really enjoy it. It was, it was so fun. And, and, I, and I do want to say – for those of you who I wish I wish people could see you behind the curtain because sometimes it, you would uh, you have a deeper appreciation for what happens when you see the the, the way that <laughs> things have happen and yeah. come together and the people to do the hard work. But every single one of our staff members just really put their heart into it, and this is my first time doing a retreat, yeah. and it's a. Uh, it was certainly a retreat like no other. Well, and I was— And a, I mean that in the best way possible. I, I could do this more often. <laughs> I could do this. Well, I was a little surprised, to be honest, when in your message you're like, I'm not really a camp meeting kind no, of guy. No, no, no. And I would have had you pegged as a camp meeting guy. Which really? Only, which only went into your sermon illustration really? of— It wasn't in the box. And even if it had no. been in the box, would it really have given you a picture of Ken? Because I thought I was kind of catching Ken vibes of, like, I totally would have thought camp meeting— I'm a camp meeting guy. Yeah, for those who may not know what for those who may not be uh, of the uh, Seventh Day Adventist persuasion persuasion. listening to this, (laughs) camp meeting is a uh, once a year get together within a certain region where uh, people will come together for speakers and things like that. And um, just saying, in in, in recent years, it seems to be kind of going to a certain age. Age. Yeah, Yeah. just a certain. It just does. It's not. Doesn't always feel, and I would even say, I would even say that people within that range, in that age range, probably mm. would even say that, that there's getting, times where they realize it doesn't feel overly relevant to the do world. Do we even that do camp meeting in Florida anymore? There is one. Is there, there is one? Yeah. Used to see, it used to be local here in mm-hmm. in Orlando at Forest Lake Church and at the Academy. And right. It was a big deal, and yeah. then it left, and it was like, yeah. My boss actually sent out an email asking pastors who wanted to volunteer to come help with that, and I was like, oh, this is volunteer. That's 
awesome. That Thanks, Steve. Awesome. Appreciate that. Because uh, <laughs> he was like, and uh, this would be a good time for new pastors Dude, to get to know people. Yeah. And I looked at my calendar and I was like, man, man. it just doesn't line up. That's, I am so that busy. That is a pity. Well, and speaking of speakers, we had a great speaker, Peter Anson. I'm the worst. I don't know anybody. So when people are like, oh, have you read this book? Have you read this book? You know, Have you read heard this person? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anybody. Well, don't you feel bad about that? I I. I did yeah. you not know him? Hey, either? Peter, if you're listening to this, no, no offense, but I, I had not heard of Peter before Tammy, before Tammy said, Hey, that's who I booked to come. And I was like, Oh, cool. Let me go get the book. Yeah. Well, and we had other families, not of our church community, our Orlando church yeah. community, but another church. Uh, multiple people drove up for the weekend so that they we could people, listen. We had people, it wasn't just yeah, it wasn't just either other Seventh-day Adventist churches. There, were, we had people from other denominations that actually came out. We really? Had, yeah, we did. I didn't know that. We had so, somebody who came from Alabama. I think we had somebody who wow. came up from. I feel like maybe it was Petersburg or somewhere like that. Nice. Well, the people that uh, around the campfire on Friday night yeah. that I was talking to, I went to I went to academy with her. So I don't think I've seen her. I mean, we see every so often around, but that was a. I'm like, what are you doing here? I don't think you, you're not, you don't go to church here. And she's like, no, no, we're here to see Peter. So I was like, oh, all right. Well, then he's probably, maybe he is good. And turns out he was very good. And if you haven't caught last week's message, but, or last week's podcast, I'm sorry, we had, I counted 78 people from the front that was in the A frame at Calaco that listened live and was able to participate. So you can hear some of your fellow, whole life church members uh, asking questions from the front row during that. But we went like an hour and 20 minutes and it was like, hey, 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 I I had to cut off John Monday, which I felt really bad about. Wow. But Ken had, you know, when you're the grand poobah of the whole show, you're in high demand. And Ken's like, yo, look, I got to get out of here. And then I'm like, yo, Peter, we could be here to another hour and we would still be sitting here. communion. Don't make it seem like I was just trying to get out of there. I no, had, I had no, 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 right. No, you had serious things to do. I would have gone for another hour. It was, it was I good. would have too, but I kind of felt bad for Peter. I was yeah. like, he was tired. His... I didn't feel bad for him. No. <laughs> right, Peter? We paid you to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, let's let's be let's be respectful of his time. And I thought it turned out really, really well. And He's an awesome guy, by the way. Can I just say yeah, that? Just super I, down to earth. Really enjoyed spending some time with him. Yeah. I mean, we had a little chance to talk before and after the podcast and I think he was a little bit nervous um beforehand like you know you think so he, well he asked me he's like who are we talking to today I mean there'll be people here he's like will anyone show up and I said well I don't think we've ever had more than maybe 20 30 people so they're you know that's because there's a lot of activities going yeah. on and not everyone's going to sit and listen to the podcast live when they can listen to it later mm-hmm. and then boom every, like people are trying to pull chairs in yeah. it's getting busy and then uh, we went through the th- and at the end he came up to me afterwards and he said, very well done. He said, thank you for having me. He's like, I really enjoyed the podcast this afternoon. Yeah. So that was uh, that was great. Well, just let Peter know he's welcome to come back and make it the Randy, Ken, and, Jeff, yeah, and, and Peter, Peter show. show. Yeah, yeah. We well, you know, he has his own podcast called The Bible for Normal People. Well, which He may want to just, you know, give that small stuff up and come to, <laughs> come to the big time with us. We didn't compare numbers, so he did ask me how many, you know, like well, how, what kind of listens we got yeah. and who listened. But anyway... All that to say, don't miss church retreat because really, you think it's only going to be Friday and then Saturday. Oh, I've got to go home, but there was activities on oh, it was Sunday. A good time. It was a good time. Everyone had a great time, yeah. And it was just there was smiles all the way around. My family, this was undoubtedly our best retreat yet. It was so fun. Even yeah. the, like you were saying that there's some people there that, uh, that that don't always attend our church or don't attend our church. And yeah. I heard from several of them, oh, we're going to come by the church a little bit more. This is yeah. pretty good stuff. So. Or people that you just don't see because yeah. we have a lot of church members that live a long ways away too. You know, honestly, and to see them there, that was great. Yeah, that's what I think I enjoyed the most about it was just I really got to spend time with people and get to know people on a different level. Which yeah. you know, at church you have X amount of time, time to spend, but you know, I think I was up till twelve thirty or one almost every, every night <laughs> just hanging out with people and chatting, and just we just have the coolest people that come to whole life. We, we really do. do, and they're willing to invite friends, which I yeah. think is a great, great idea. All right. This week we were into this is the third commandment. No, second commandment. Second, second, second third commandment. sermon, second commandment. Third, easy to get confused. Easy to get confused. And I and I specifically wrote it down and then read it wrong. I'm maybe I'm becoming dyslexic. It's it's a possibility. And I, I was like, okay, well now that I I know we're not boxing, but we're actually putting God in a box and this is what we're talking about. And I'm like, man, this is a lot um this is a lot similar to what the previous week was. So I was kind of curious as to where 
Well, then you you were really happy with how I started my sermon off then. It it was perfect. You were like, yes, this will be short. I don't have that much prep for the podcast. This is really good. This is just going to be a couple, maybe two, three questions, and we're going to get in, get out, and It's really the same thing, right? Have no other gods. Don't make idols. No idols. And and really, I mean, mean, you know, what is the—how many many idols does the average American really—you know, carved idols that they're bowing down to and worshiping? I mean— Well, we we carved one this weekend while we were camping. It was like a totem pole kind of thing around the campfire while it was raining. Man, I'm sure glad that I was able to have that sermon for you when you got back so (laughs) you could get rid of—you throw that back in the fire, Well, I gave—well, it wasn't mine. I was just there to appreciate it. But then I was like, well, now I feel bad I didn't say anything. Mm. I should have been more in tune with what we were talking about. I should have watched church live. That would have solved that. But— the immediate thing that came to my mind was when, you know, we're trying, you said we try to contain or box God up and then worship him in a smaller form than he actually is. And I've never heard it put quite that way, but it's, it's completely true. But then I'm like, well, isn't this inevitable as a sinful human being who like simply by being born we're we are sin, we are immersed in it. And like you mentioned, the Israelites, they didn't have any way to see his form. And we don't either. We don't know how to, you know, there's no way for us to know him in a way that is significant to his overall, like the almighty, like what we don't even know about him. And then I was thinking like, what about like the Garden of Eden? Wasn't God in the box that Adam and Eve Eve understood? It's probably a bigger box than we have, uh, them being sinless and all at the time, but only a week. And if you think that's a literal week, I'm not going to go there, but I mean that they had a chance to hang out with God before, or however long it was before they sinned. So, well, let's be clear about this. How and, can we... and, and by the way, just for the record, I do believe that God created the world in a literal week, and that's, I do that's my, my take yeah, on it. And I, do I you know, If Peter's listening, we respect uh, what Peter believes and thinks, yeah. but uh, yeah, I do believe in that literal sure. week of creation. And what I don't believe is that they rescind the same week that uh, that they were created. I think that there was a lot more time, a lot that, more time that, in there. for my own personal. But you know what? The, the nice thing about this is the Bible doesn't tell, tell us, us that. About the Bible that, yeah. doesn't make any statements about how long they were in the Garden of Eden before they were sinned. We just assume because... Chapter three comes after chapter two <laughs> that it couldn't have been that long, it had right? To be. But uh, you know, I think there's some, you know, if uh, if a day is as a year or a thousand years as a day to to God, then you know, what does it matter? How long they could have been in the Garden of Eden for quite some time before that happened? So anyway, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't know where we were going with that, but uh, even being perfect, yeah. they could have. Only, I mean, they had a box sure. that they understood of God, and so I think that it's always growing up when it was kind of the bootstrap mentality. It was you try to come out of that, and people were like, "Ooh, be careful!" You know, you open up the box, and then it was Pandora's box because what, then the possibilities the, what, are the, endless. Yeah, but what's the point of a box, Randy? Well, it's to make it keep everything organized, it's yeah. neat and fit. It's Our um, box I know is what's bad. in it. Our box is bad. No, not necessarily. It's how you use it, right? It's what you put in it. It's what, it's what you, you put in. It. It's how you use it, though. Okay. What you say? Well, usually using a box to haul things. Mm-hmm. I'm using it to store things. Mm-hmm. If it's clear, I'll put it on a shelf so I know what's in it and I can see it. And it's organized. I might even put labels on it yeah. so I know what to remind myself what's in it. Yeah. That's my wife talking right there. I also find that uh, boxes aren't bad, but the problem with a box is generally when we put something in a box, we're trying to contain it. And we're also trying to only deal with it when we want to deal with it. Mm. That's true. It's for storage. Yeah, it's usually for storage. <laughs> you're it's, hauling it, but it is for storage. It's, it's for storage. It's, it's it's something that you're not playing. You're playing on using it when you want to use it and the way you want to use it. Yeah. And the problem with with boxing human beings or God is that any time a part of God or that human being slips out of the box, we try to slam <laughs> or cram it back, back in, in yeah. to that. It isn't that neat. Life isn't that neat. People don't don't easily fit into one category, much less the God of the Ooh. universe. Yeah. And uh, a fantastic bo- a book called uh, Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. So if you're looking for a book and you haven't read that one, mm. I highly recommend it. You don't need to be, quote-unquote, a leader. Everybody's a leader, by the way. You don't have to be a leader to read the book, but it's a fantastic book. And, and one of the, the I, when I was being recommended the book by someone, I was like, so, okay, yeah, but what's it about? And they said, it's about boxes. And You're I was like, like oh, okay. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's about trying to put people into boxes and not allowing them to ever get out of the box. So, you know, we basically say, this is a mean person, and we put them in the mean person box. But then that mean person does something really nice. 
and it doesn't fit into the mean box, but we still cram the person back in that they we say that's an aberration. That was that they're a mean person. Because, yeah. Why? Because they're in my mean box. They have to be that person. But people are much more complicated than that, right? There's some really horrible people who do some really, really wonderful things here sure. and there. I mean, yeah. I don't know how to say any other way. There's some people who have who've been pretty rude to me in life who have come along later or even at the same time, time. <laughs> and done yeah. some really, really kind things for me too. And so it's really a difficult thing in life because we really like strong boxes. We like boxes that that where people can't slip out on one side or the other, where where there's this is who you are, stay in that box. And we use it to categorize and to keep it safe for ourselves and to also to be able to only deal with that you know, the mean people, I'm going to put that up on the high shelf away from everything else. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go near it very often. And if I'm having a bad day, forget it. And I'm the kind people there. box, I'm going to keep that one a little closer to Ooh. myself and open that one up as, you know, as I'm needing the kindness in my life. And so the thing about boxes is, is they protect us. They keep us from having to interact with things that we don't want to. You know, we pick up the toys off the floor, put them into a box so we're not stepping on them and, and stubbing our toes. And that's not a bad thing. The problem is when we start trying to treat our relationships this way, and especially our relationship with God, when we start trying to say, God, this is who you are, not because that's who you said you were, but that's because that's who I need you to be. That's who I'm <laughs> choosing for you to be. And, and we see this all the time, right? There's the, there's the people that fall into the nice God category. God is always nice. He never does anything that would be ever unpleasant. Anything that is unpleasant that's recorded in the Bible must have been an accident. Somebody transcribed it wrong. Sure. If I don't yeah. understand it, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem like a, a nice thing for God to do. Then there, there's something wrong with that, and, and that's not <laughs> the way it is. Then there's the mean God people, right? There's the uh, the sinners in the hands of an angry God people, the people who are like, oh, God's really mean, he's really angry, he's super upset with you, you better get your life together before he smites you, <laughs> that group of people. And when God starts doing nice things, that's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, I guess, but, you know, but sure. beware, there's yeah. hell wait, waiting for you, and it will be eternal, right? Because that's, that's what mean God does. Mean God has eternal hell. Nice God, you know, there, there, surely there's no hell or anything like that. The rocks and, that fall on you are going to kill you right away. Yeah, so there's no, something, you know. Yeah. So, And so we try to box God up and put him into our own understanding. Then when somebody suggests that God could be something different than what we understand him to be, we get really angry about it. We yeah, get really yeah. upset because that can't be who God is. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't defend God's character when people say God is is not love or whatever. But what I am saying is there's something wrong when we when we start getting really angry to the point of <laughs> physical violence with people because we can't have a civil dialogue with them about sure, something and sure. just say, hey, well, you see it that way, I see it this way. I think a lot of times the reason was sometimes we get so angry. There's two different reasons why people get angry. One is that it challenges their insecurity. They're not really sure what they believe about God. And when this suggestion comes along that God is something different mm. than what they've always thought he is, it, it really rocks them to the core of who they are, and it really gives them just this sense of of disease and like that the, they're they're not at ease anymore. They, they're 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 being thrown off of their equilibrium. And so they become very angry and they act out when that sort of thing happens. The other reason that people can become very upset is when when you really love somebody, you don't like to hear them being lied about. And so if you mm. hear if you hear something being said about God and you love God deeply and you hear somebody telling something about him that makes him not particularly lovable or or that you feel like would turn people away from from this from God that you love and that you yeah. want people to have a relationship, you become what the Bible calls jealous for God's honor. Oh, and so you go. want you want to go ahead and make sure that God is well well represented and well thought of. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. When yeah. you love somebody, you want people to know the truth about them. However, the question becomes about how do you go about defending God's honor, if you will. Do you become the angry God to defend the nice God? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly, right? You know, is that, is yeah. that how it has to work? Yeah. And so that's the thing about boxes, but what we also know about boxes is that they contain. And that's a problem because—and that's where we really get into this discussion that we had on Sabbath about the second commandment, thou shalt have no other—you shall not make any idols that represent anything. The text I share, God actually never shows his form until Jesus shows up. Hmm. Until Jesus shows up, God doesn't really show his form. Jesus says, in, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the uh, John, in the book of John, John says, no one has ever seen the Father, only the Son. 
And so, so nobody's ever seen God the Father. What about Moses on Sinai? I mean, I know it was just a brief passing before him. It doesn't really say, but so you're probably not a form. More yeah. So then, well, no, but it was a form, and I think for and, and you, there's that, and then there's also Abraham uh, who yeah, seems yeah, yeah. to encounter uh, Jesus at some point, and so. This is the way that, um, at least within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that we answer that question, is that our understanding, as we read it, for John to be telling the truth, uh, when he says, no one's seen God, then that means that that Jesus has always been the visible form of God that human beings have seen. We haven't seen the Father, we've only seen Jesus. And so mm. it's Jesus, actually, who's handing out the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. It's Jesus that's showing up with Abraham. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that one before. I, and I don't disagree necessarily. I don't have any grounds. Okay, I, do. I won't be mad at you. I, no, you I don't do. have any grounds to disagree. If that's I just... a box that's really <laughs> bothering you, I will not be upset about it. But no, no. And and the thing that I the really weird visual that I got when you talk about boxes and containing is like build the bear. Mm. You go in there and it's like, yeah. oh, you can pick all these different things yeah. to make the coolest bear possible. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, there's the God that does the cool stuff like the miracles. Yeah. Ooh, I'm gonna put that well, I'm gonna put that one on. Yeah. And here's the God that, you know, sends his son to say, Ooh, let's put that one in there. I like it's that the God one. That too. gives me wealth and prosperity. Yeah, I like yeah, that the God prosperity a lot. gospel. Yeah, let's put some one. Mm-hmm. Maybe then, two of those. I mean, the, and then over there in the in the dark corner is the God that calls me to suffering. Leave, let, 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 let's, let, let's leave that one over there. That that one has to. That was that's somebody else's calling. Well, can we just put that one in a box? I mean, yeah. I want all the accessories, yes. but I, let's make sure that that one doesn't like. Yeah. We're not going to put it on right away. That, that one goes to somebody else. Yeah, and somebody we, else's garage sale. We won't. Yeah. We won't tell them about that one. But but that's what we get into that second commandment, where the Bible tells us to not have idols, to not make idols in any image. Yeah. And the reason that I believe that this is different distinctly from the first one is because in the first one we're told we're not to have any other gods, any other gods. Any other, yeah. In this one, I think that not only are we not—it continues on in that vein saying, don't have any gods, don't make any other gods besides but also don't make anything that represents me either. Why? Because I'm not able to be contained. I'm yeah. bigger than anything you can possibly imagine, and anytime you shrink me down into an idol size, into into the form of something, you are basically trying to boil me down and make me into what you want me to be instead of what I am. With, and, but with our understanding, is it even possible to not shrink him down to what we can understand, or is that just because, well— that's done with, I love you, I'm trying to find out more about you, and it's a limited understanding, or is it... I think I think you. we will obviously always shrink God down yeah. into something, because we have to understand, we, our, our natural human, the natural God-given uh, intellect causes us to want to, to make associations and to, to make correlations and to say... Well, God is like this, God is like that. We we naturally do that, and that's not a bad, not thing, a bad thing until <laughs> we don't allow God to be everything that he can be because we need him to be less than he is. Even if we for can't us. explain it. And yeah, I mean if you're you know, if you're an ant, you're going to explain human beings differently than you're going to explain human beings if you're a dog or a cat. You're going to put it into a context that makes sense to you. In the world that you're living in, with the with the visuals that you're able to see and what you're able to experience, and that's what we're always going to do with God. We're only going to be able to describe what we can see, what we can ex- experience, and what we can feel. But that doesn't mean the the problem with that is when we are never open to God being more oh, than than, than, that. than that. What is that thing? Um, what is that thing for us? I mean, the Israelites. It talks about. You know, during the day they had the cloud. At night they had the pillar of fire. You know, Moses saw the burning bush and and heard it talk to him. Uh, the, the the disciples had Jesus to to live with. What is it today that and I'm not saying it has to be a physical manifestation, obviously, or even whatever whatever the burning bush and whatever that cloud and the fire. However, that God manifested Himself in those physical things that could be seen. But I think so many times we're looking for, okay, uh, I'm looking, where do I find you where I go, ooh, take off, you know, like, take off your sandals, man, you're on holy ground. And maybe those aren't the kinds of things that we can have anymore, not to say that God couldn't if he wanted to, they just don't seem to be prevalent. Or some of the things that come out where people say, 
I've seen what might be a miracle and we're like, oh, come on, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore because it's so infrequent. But maybe it was infrequent then, too, and we just have the text so we go, well, yeah, look at all these times these things happen. But in actuality, it might not be any more than now. And I'm not sure about that. So one of the joys of the podcast is I can actually get into some stuff that I wanted to get into in the sermon, <laughs> but I didn't have time yeah, for it. Absolutely. One of the things that I dropped out of the sermon is uh, the story of um, the bronze serpent that, and by the way, I'm going to get to what you're really asking. Uh, yeah, you're no, asking no. about now, and I, but I, I've got to go back to get go, to now. Okay. Moses is told by God, Jesus, to create this bronze serpent. The, the backstory of this is the children of Israel are out in the wilderness. They get tired of eating the food that they've been eating in the wilderness, which is manna, and it's just the same thing every day. They and, want you know, more of the birds. Yeah, they, and they so they you know they wanted so this you know so these all these things happen. Well, anyway, the point is they're they're out there complaining again, and 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 so God just kind of withdraws from them. He's like, okay, you don't want me to be around, fine. And all these poisonous snakes come out and start biting uh, the people. And the people are dying from these. Um, I said poisonous, venomous, as my friends in the uh, in the venomous, snake industry yeah. like to point out to me. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, so these venomous snakes are coming out. They're they're biting the people. People are dying, and God tells Moses to to create a bronze serpent, um, a, a serpent that replicates these these same serpents that are biting them, and then tells them to put it up on a pole where anybody who looks at it. Will be healed immediately. That they they all they have to do is look at this bronze serpent and they'll be healed, which is kind of interesting because God just got done telling them don't, don't make, make any <laughs> idols, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't but God do has them do this. It becomes a symbol of what Jesus is going to be. That Jesus is going to become sin on our behalf, and that anybody who turns their eyes upon Jesus, who becomes our becomes sin in our place, will receive life. Will live. And so this, so the miracle happens. These people are healed. The people that look at the bronze serpent are healed, and um, it's this amazing thing. And they actually hang on to this bronze serpent. And this is what often gets missed in Scripture is that they actually do hang on to it. And then in the time of, I do believe, Gideon, if I'm remembering my, my Old Testament correctly, in the time of Gideon, we find that these people are now actually worshiping the serpent. So they're worshiping this bronze serpent, actually worshiping it, and it's become this false god because they've kept this icon, this something that God actually gave them for good, and then they take it and they make it into what God didn't want them to make it into, which is a God, and they're worshiping that God instead of the real God that that gave the power that really that healed people. And the name of this snake, I think, was Neheshtun. You can look it up in, I think, the it's Book an, of Judges. I it's think, an maybe. N. I remember that. Neheshtun or something yep. like that, yeah. So anyway, so... Where I'm running with that is it is very possible for God to give us a very, very good thing that we then turn into a very, very bad thing. And that's one of the things that I kind of got into in the sermon. So when you're saying, what are some of the things that we can turn into idols? Well, there's all kinds of things that we can worship in place of God that we can use to limit God or that we can worship instead of God. We can put our attention on that instead instead of God, and we can be worshiping that thing and we can be using that as what we what we look at. So there's that category. But in the sermon, what I really wanted to focus in on is what we as Christians often make into idols. We don't—most yeah. Christians do not have the issue of, you know, little bronze um, idols that look like snakes or that look like even human beings that they're bowing down to and praying to several times a day. Now, there are some Christians that do that, but that's not the majority We're of Christendom, no. I yeah. would not say. And it's certainly not the majority of, of our church members at whole life. And so what are the what are the idols that we may be struggling with that you that you were talking about? What are the, some of the th- good things that God's given us? That he said, hey, this is here for your healing. This is here for what to make you well that we could turn around and make into idols. And and one of those things I suggested was was maybe the Bible. That was a little tough uh, pill to swallow, but as soon as you say it, you go, oh, yeah. yeah. I can think of someone that— or. I would even say someone, uh, Ellen White, which until I started reading her for myself was like, no, I don't need any of that. Because all all, all I had heard was how it was used. She was weaponized (laughs) by many people, and they can quote that before the Bible. And I think that's something maybe as Adventists we have that might be a little bit more. A little idolatry going on there, uh, here and there. That maybe some others don't 
Yeah. You know, but yeah, that's what, that's but, what, what I thought of. But these are, this is whenever we go ahead and say, God, you must fit into this. Mm, and yeah. if you, if you happen to stray out of that, and, and like you said, that's a big pill for some people to swallow. And somebody might be listening to me right now going, that this is this is this is ridiculous. Don't you know your fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist yeah, Church? church? You know, yeah. scripture, sola scriptura. I believe in all that. But that doesn't mean that I worship the Bible. And there are some people that worship the Bible over the giver of the Bible. And if you don't believe me, Jesus actually spoke to them in the <laughs> book of John when he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you will find life, and yet you refuse to come to me who can give you life. And so that's the point that I really want people to make. You can search the scriptures all day long thinking that that, if you spend enough time in the Bible, if you learn enough Bible verses, if you memorize enough, and you can miss the person that gave that book to us to point it to us. It's kind of like if if Rochelle wrote me a whole bunch of love letters, and I was so obsessed with the love letters that I would never go spend time with her because I was always in those love letters. Well, the love letters are there to point me towards my relationship. They're there to tell me about how Rochelle feels about me. But they don't encapsulate all of who Rochelle is. Sure, and yeah. so And so that's one of the things I think we need to think. I also talked about the idol of worship, where we where we put a certain way of worshiping. And, and this is, by the way, people probably in my in my my particular uh, what would we say, tribe of thinking, would say, you know, hey, a contemporary service is really important. It's really good to be to be able to be relevant to the culture around us. But it becomes a problem when I worship that more than the whole point of the worship service. It becomes right, a yeah. real problem, and it's and it's easy to go ahead and pick on folks who say, "No, no, no, no." It's always it's got to be this old fashioned kind of worship. But both, whenever we're not willing to come and worship the giver or the reason why we're having a worship service, and we become so obsessed with the details of it and and fitting God into that, that can be an idol that we're worshiping. We're worshiping the music. We're worshiping. The way the service is done over the giver, over over God Himself, and um, and so that's that's one uh, you know, and a part of that can be the preacher. Um, I just know a lot of people that are obsessed with a certain preacher, um, <laughs> and that that you know, if this preacher says something, then that's the gospel truth. Um, and they'll say, oh, no, but I always study my Bible, but it's always interesting to me how when you study your Bible, it always agrees with your favorite pastor. pastor. <laughs> There's probably something wrong yeah. with that. I, I, for a fact, know that there are things that I preached about some years ago that I don't agree with anymore. I don't think I was right about that. It wasn't because I was trying to deceive anybody yeah, or be dishonest. It's just my understanding of God has changed in that amount of time. So for somebody to go back, you know, however many years and get that sermon and go, well, that's what Ken has to always believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my understanding is maybe it's changed around a little bit, and there's also, I, I think it would have been healthy at that time for somebody to go, yeah, I don't really agree with that when Ken says it. That I don't know that that's always right, and it's okay, and we can we can always disagree in a nice way. You don't have to agree with the things I say in the sermon. Sure. I would love for you to think for yourself, and then we can kindly. Go well. I see it different. Well, I see it this way. That's okay. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll see it the way that we see it. But let's let's be open to understanding who God is, and that we can have growth. We should be having growth. Our understanding should be changing and growing. If not, you know, you're either growing or you're dying. Typically, I find that a lot of people that don't want to let you grow, they know you from this this space, this time, this place in your life, or you know, maybe you haven't always got along and, you know, you're in the mean box or you're in this box or that box, whichever that might be, and there's no growth. And many times I think it is actual jealousy on the part of someone who hasn't grown the way they thought they were going to, and they feel a little bit left out if you're like, well, I changed my mind. I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm not, you know, then, of course, you're a flip-flopper, uh, of course, because you changed your mind. And you don't have a good reason to do it because you can't explain why you flip-flopped other than that, you know, we can only assume then that it's for nefarious reasons other than to say like, hey, I had this sermon before. Yeah, I totally believed it. And I can probably go back and tell you why I believed it at that time. But now I don't. I'm 20 years older. I've got a lot more life experience. And I think that's the part of the boxes as I was, I was listening to the message was just that we're not – 
we're actively participating in probably stunting somebody else's growth if we're not allowing them to to grow in our eyes as well. Because it's disconcerting sometimes when people like won't let you like, nah, no, no, that's not you. Or they, they know or, you know, someone will give an offhand comment. That doesn't sound like you at all. And it's like, well, from when? Like, yeah. like why? why? What about me is would, would contradict this? And, and sometimes it can be fun. It can be little things. But I just thought, you know, if we were just open to saying, hey, who knows why they changed their mind? and Or, hey, they were nice to me and they were mean to me before. Let's take the nice. Let's replace the old. And let's let's work from that premise moving forward. And then say, you know what? That was really nice. It was unexpected, but man, I appreciate it. Instead of saying, or you know, like, wow, I really thought you were gonna smash me down there, and you really surprised me by not being a jerk. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I think there's really, really nice ways we can do it. That you think God uplift. feels that way at all? I think He feels that way because I think we feel, in some ways, like He would. We're created in His image, but I don't think He feels it the way we feel it. I think He feels yeah. all the range of emotions, but He doesn't hold the grudge, obviously, because He was willing to send Jesus to consistently be there to redeem us. So. I think that I think that one of the sad things about it is that we're going to take God, and can you imagine if you—can <laughs> I imagine as a 47-year-old man wanting to relate to my mother in the same way that I did when I was two years old? <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Does that, but does that mean my mother has, like, drastically changed from who she is? No. Not necessarily. Yeah, but if a two-year-old is relating to their mother completely different, we hope, than a 47-year-old <laughs> man. Yeah. It doesn't mean my mom has different values, is a different person. It just means that I've grown up and I've gotten more mature, and the relationship between my mother and I hopefully has changed <laughs> significantly. <laughs> and yet, we want to do that to God. We want to say mm. the same God that— the God that was having to deal with people in a prehistoric situation and, yeah. and that, that was that was that was working with the the Jewish people, the Israelites out in the wilderness that before that there before there was the internet, which I know that's that's a foreign concept what? to some people that, but you know before that there was all the things in a different culture in a different time yeah. that 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 God has to be, do exactly the same way of handling us today in our in our context in our culture in our time that's foolishness yeah it's no, foolishness it doesn't mean that god has changed at all the principles stay the same but what doesn't but what would we would hope would change is that as humanity has gained technological advances that cultures have changed and times have changed and the ways of thinking about things have changed that god Staying the same still relates to those in different ways because they're at different places. And all you have to do is read through the Bible to see this happening. You see this happen, that there is a difference in the way that God treats the Israelites in the wilderness and the way that he treats the disciples in the, in the New Testament church. There's just yeah. a difference. And it's not because God has changed, not because he's more loving now. He's fine. It's like, it's not God grew up and was like, oh, I guess I'll be nice. I guess now I guess I should change. That whole smiting <laughs> thing wasn't really working now. God didn't change. God stayed yeah. the same. Things have, God is the same, but his methods and the way that he relates is very different depending on the age and the culture and the time that he's working with. And it yeah. doesn't mean that he has changed or that there's something wrong with that. It just means that we need to go ahead and be okay with a God that isn't one-dimensional. Well, and I think that a lot of times that question still comes up because you said God speaks to each time and age in their language and in their way. God is eternal and he does not change, but the methods he uses to reach his people vary according to the needs of the people he's reaching. And... It By really, the way, can I just uh, reference the book that that, that sure. thought came from? The Blue Parakeet. The Blue Parakeet. The Blue Parakeet. All right. Both of the books that we've referenced today will be in the show notes in case you are interested and would like to look at either of those closer or maybe purchase them for yourself. And when I thought of that, I thought of, let's drill this all the way down to us, like who this is for whole life. And I think that Andy was here for a long time, and Andy was shepherding, and he was giving messages from his perspective and where God was leading him and what stage of life he was in. And now, when you came, we got a totally different view on the same subjects. You know, we're talking about a lot of the same things, 
And while the core principles that you're getting from God that we're preaching from his word that aren't any different, it's just the next generation is looking at it a little bit differently. And the thought processes and the ability to look at a situation and find what maybe someone else hasn't thought of before or just look at it through a different lens that just triggers, oh, Oh, yeah, I can tell. So when it, when I've often been befuddled at that, when I'm just like, look, everyone else had all this stuff. And what do we get? We don't have anything. We get nothing. And yet I think we have people that are in their Bibles for the right reasons in the right way, not worshiping it, but, you know, just trying to find out more about God and letting those pieces that they find allow them to love him more and him to love them more. And then all of a sudden you start to get a message where we're going to go 11 <laughs> on the Ten Commandments, we're going to go deeper, and we're going to try to figure out maybe like, hey, you know, yeah, we struggle with the uh, what was the uh, the twenty Exodus twenty four to six, where it's like, you know, we're not really crazy <laughs> about the whole uh, four generations yeah, and the yeah. whole family, but then we really like the thousand years yeah. of the of the plus yeah. on that side. We like that. Yeah. But then when when you look at it from that way, just it's the, like we'll just call it the Ken Wetmore effect. Here at Whole Life, it's just a different way of looking at things. It's it's your it's your life experiences that cause you to see the Bible the way you do, whether you 100 yeah. percent agree or disagree. But to me, that was comforting only because, to me, it's an answer that satisfies that God is still working in people to help us For together sure. understand, and that's the gift of that, which doesn't always make sense because I don't get to see the cloud. I don't get to see the fire. I don't see the Red Sea opening and closing in front of me. I don't see the leper healed. I don't see all these things. But I do see that we see things so much differently than they possibly could have. And then the way things are explained when we don't like the fourth generations and things all start making sense. And you go, wow, he really isn't. That's the proof that he really isn't that God because he's still working in all of us to make that happen. So I think that's uh, – oh, and, you know, we don't have a top 10 list of signs you're worshiping an idol by any chance, do we? No. Okay. Well, I just, Did you, you want know, one? Well, it was the church retreat in me. It was still – I'm still on a little bit of a, a Saturday so Night the, Live. The, the top 10 ways yeah. you know you're worshiping an idol? Because you threw the – you guys, you know, you threw the pen, so I'm just like, you know, weekend update and, you know, Letterman with the top 10 was, yeah. all, you know, throw all it at the, the, camera. Answer, right, the camera. So it just made me think of, you know, maybe we need a top 10 list. Um, yeah, you know you're worshiping an idol. <laughs> I think what I said in church was, though, that you can you know you're, you're, you're worshiping an idol when you become very, very, very upset when it gets taken away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When it becomes more important to you than about anything else. Um, I think most people are pretty smart, and I think most people probably have some notion of what those are. Of when they are yeah. over the top with something. No, 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 that's not always true. There are some people who really think that you know they're genuinely worshiping God. Blind and spots they're, is, and they're not. Is one of my favorite kinds. But I've also, but I've also noticed. I've noticed that those uh, that blind spots are often not found very well. <laughs> no, and even when you point them out, um, it's no, it, it doesn't usually. The truth in advertising really makes that one yeah. stick. So I've noticed that God works best when God points people's blind spots out to them rather than Ken Wetmore. <laughs> so you pray about it. Ask God to show your you your, your idols, and uh, he will he'll start to open it up. And like I said in the sermon, it'll hurt. Be careful. It'll hurt. That's it. But you should ask for it. No, absolutely. It's the thing you need. And I, some people say be careful what you ask God for. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think you we don't ask for enough. But what I would say is don't be surprised when it when it's painful. And, and, and it might even be for a good thing, but yeah. sometimes making like I'll never forget the look on your face when you were describing the person that put your name in the hat to come to to Whole Life Church <laughs> and that and and in the message it was just like almost a little bit of that anxiety that was there when you first heard like the guy oh yeah sure yeah I threw your I hope, hope that's okay <laughs> and like the feeling that you know you can relate to because everyone's had it on some level yeah. before and the look on your face was so, I mean it just caused us all to unfortunately bust out and laughter at your expense. But it's really true. When you feel those things, it's like, well, it turned out to be a really good thing. But in the moment, you're just dreading it. Like, no, uh, not, not now. No, yeah. you got to be crazy. We just finished. And yeah. yeah. No, that's I, I get it. All right. You know, I think that 
these are all going to be hard in some way because, you know, there's a reason he gave us the 10 because he knew that these were all going to be issues we would mm-hmm. have to deal with. Yeah. And so they're all hard in a way, but at the same time, I really felt like defining the box like like you did was really, really important. I hope those listening, I hope you did too. And if there are any questions that you have about this, I think these are these are fundamental things that we need to have settled in ourselves and maybe that we don't have all the answers, but we have an idea of, all right, God, you need to show me what this is in my life. And as we work through these 10, so you can always do that and send it to us here, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And we would love to take your voicemail, text, and you can be... You can remain anonymous in those, except for the email. Well, unless, well, you don't put your name in your email. Just make a make a Gmail like you don't know my name at gmail.com. Send it to me and I won't know who you are. All right. We had questions from Q&A. Stanley was not the host. So he being the, the gracious guy that he is going, man, I can't leave Sierra up there and wonder if we're going to have any questions, right? So he had to send one in. And he said, can I cherish both what's in the God box, in air quotes, and get to know God? You can cherish what's in the God box as willing as you're willing to take the lid off the box and let it out. Oh, okay. Wow. Can I cherish both what's in the God box and get to know God? But you have to take the you have to take the top off. You have to be willing to allow the mm. you have to allow God to to get out of the box. It's you know Tammy told me <laughs> I think it's her general way of saying you could have made this sermon a lot shorter. <laughs> um, but uh, Tammy told me afterwards. She said when you said. When they were filling the box up, I said, why didn't you put me in the box? And I think both of the people that came up volunteered said, well, because you wouldn't fit in there. She said, you could have just dropped the mic and walked away right after that. <laughs> no, that's and, but true. But she's not wrong. No. But that that was the point. I think everyone got that yeah. point because it was very obvious. But when you said it, it was, of course, it's funny because, yeah, of course, you're not going to fit. But but that's the problem is that that we have to – we can cherish what's in the box, but when we're trying to contain God – yeah, we've got a problem because God doesn't fit in a box. Well, I pictured that beautiful pink uh, Sterilite plastic <laughs> bin and Ken's size in relation to no way he's going to fit in that. And I thought in my immediate picture was like the Milky Way galaxy and what we know of our universe, which is probably very minuscule. And then, you know, how big, just in relation, if you think about that and how big God is, and then go, yeah, we probably haven't scratched the surface there either. No. And that's a pretty cool idea to play around with and let kind of ruminate in your yeah. head, especially as you're reading your Bible and you see some of these things that seem so insignificant. But when you think of that's the guy or that's the person or that's the entity that was putting all this into place, kind of puts a little different spin on it as well. We also had a question from Corbin. I'm not sure. Maybe you'll know what it means. I okay. don't. Does the omnis cram God into a idol box? I don't know what the omnis are. Do you? If omnis being used the way that I understand it to be used, which is that that God is in everything and, and through everything, okay, that's the way I understand it. Sure. Then it's an intriguing question because are we cramming God into a box by saying he is, is everything? The- <laughs> and I think the danger is that that while God created everything, um, we are not. God is also very specific about us not worshiping yeah, everything. Absolutely. And so, yeah, do can omnis create those who believe in a God that's in everything and through everything? Can they can they be worshiping an idol? They can in that sense. And that whenever you you kind of cram that box and that lid and try to create a form around it. Um, you can be creating an idol there. Yeah, yeah, and that that is a unique question though, because if you know if we believe that he creation all of creation is his, then it does create an interesting it does create an interesting question. Good one, thank you, uh, thank you, Corbin, for sending that yeah, in. Yeah, very thoughtful question. All right, one of this week's whole life reflections asked: Is your understanding of who God is different today than it was ten years ago? How? If it's not different, do you feel like your relationship is growing? And that was one that, I, you know, everyone has to answer for themselves. And maybe it's a pound of steak in the ground and see if, you know, see if you've made any progress or put the mirror underneath your nose and make sure there's still breath in you. Like, is this, you know, am I still here? Am I still moving? Am I, am I going forward? And just speaking for myself, I think the last 10 years, my moving to Florida was a huge uh, move forward in my understanding 
many, many mentors that have uh, taken me under their wing and helped me understand for someone who first off really didn't care to understand a whole heck of a lot because nothing was satisfying. And then when you find someone that kind of will take the extra time and and and, and kind of walk you through some things that maybe seem now seem very trivial, but at the time seemed so huge was a huge thing for me. So I would always encourage you, uh, when we first moved to Florida, we had a great Bible study group. We're actually looking to, to start another one. It was a great every week kind of thing, keeps you in the conversation outside of church, and then you have church, and it just really keeps your mind moving all the time, and it was really, really good for us. So if you're struggling, find someone that you might know that you can talk to. Maybe that might be someone at church or you know in a Bible study group, Sabbath school class, at Whole Life. Lots of ways to get involved. But... Our final thoughts are from the closing of Ken's message. He said, it's no accident. There is no likeness of him, meaning God. He wants us to focus on our relationship with him. And relationships work best without boxes. Yes, they do. That was, uh, I, I love it when it's just like, a, it works best without boxes. Yes, it does. And then you can just think of all the other relationships you have here that you understand a little bit better. Maybe not totally like, you know, men will never completely figure out women until, Maybe not even when or we're in heaven. Versa. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. You know, that just might not happen until we get to heaven. Or maybe it's like the, we're going to understand God forever. So a little, little humor there. So don't don't send angry text messages, please. Or Randy <laughs> Gray. <laughs> that email address is Randy at Church. All right. Next week, we're still here. This'll be, this will be number three, sermon four, but commandment three. What are you saying? Ken, what are you saying next week? Wow, it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about taking God's name in vain. Is it just what you say, or could it be also what you do? Mm. I I grew up with it's what you say, Mm. but I think I'm— I think I'm I think I'm seeing where you're swimming. And I'm in the wake, I think. We'll find out next week. So that means you just gotta come back next week. Just surf it. Just surf it. (laughs) Just surf it. All right. Thanks guys so much and appreciate so many people coming up last week at church retreat after like everybody cleared out pretty quickly out of the A-frame, but you guys caught up with me all over campus the rest of the weekend and just how much you enjoyed being there live and to see the inner workings and how much fun it was and how great Peter was. So that's a testament to staff for making sure we had someone who would you know, make us a little uncomfortable and and make us think a little differently and get outside of our box that we're in sometimes, even as a denomination and even as as diverse as we are at Whole Life, it's always good to get a different perspective. So I appreciated all the kind words and just wanted to say thank you for anyone that was out there that didn't get a chance to say so. We have a good time doing it and we had a great time with Peter. So thanks for listening. Definitely share the podcast and to anyone you think who could use a little uplifting in their life and tune in next week to find out what are you saying? Have a great week. See ya. See ya.